The Steelers' troubling trend of winning with virtually no offense simply isn't sustainable, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. Welcome to the Steelers update from Penn Live, where we keep track of all things Steelers, so you don't have to. This is John Lucy reporting. The Steelers are 3-2 and, and sitting atop the AFC North heading into their bye week. But something doesn't compute. That's because Pittsburgh has virtually no offense and is still struggling versus the run. All of this leading to a negative 31-point differential over their first five games. Quite simply, this fraught formula for eking out wins as nice as last Sunday's 17-10 win was over those rival Ravens, just can't continue, right? I mean, it's just, it just doesn't seem possible. In fact, the Steelers are only squeaking out these victories by virtue of just one long-sought and long-shot factor. I'm talking about the triumphant return of the splash play. These game-changing moments on both offense and defense couldn't have returned to the Steelers game at a more opportune time. And we know Coach Mike Tomlin knows how important these lightning strikes can be, and he has long lamented their absence from the Steelers' arsenal these past few seasons. On defense, the pass-rushing wrecking crew of T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith have led the way with sacks, strips, fumble recoveries, and to-the-house scoring plays that have kept the Steelers in these close games and have turned them into wins. Against the Ravens, the pair proved it again, with Highsmith stripping QB Lamar Jackson and Watt recovering the fumble. The latter added a pair of sacks for good measure. But it's not just this dynamic duo who are doing it. Middle linebacking play has picked up, especially to the soft-middled Steelers from last season. And don't look now, but the 412 area code favorite Joey Porter Jr. is getting more playing time, leading to his win-sealing interception, both versus the overmatched Jackson. Sure, the Ravens QB got his big contract in the offseason, but the Steelers seem to still have his number, and how sweet it is. On Sunday versus Baltimore, special teamer Miles Killebrew chimed in with a blocked punt and a safety that was almost a touchdown. Defensive lineman Larry Ognanchobi knocked loose a fumble, and linebacker Quan Alexander recorded a sack and twin tackles for losses that grounded a pair of Ravens' pass plays. Still, the Steelers' defense doesn't have a monopoly on making a splash. For as much criticism Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett, and the offense has received, every bit of it warranted, they can still muster a big play or two at some big moments. It was that way Sunday versus the Ravens when a still-struggling picket 
muddling through some head-scratching play calls from Canada most of the game, managed to execute perfectly on an electrifying 41-yard fourth-quarter scoring strike to budding superstar George Pickens. This after going 12 of 22 for just 120 yards in the first three quarters. Pickett then was 4 of 6 for 78 yards on that late go-ahead drive. Pickett did seem to improve his pocket presence and speed up and sharpen some of his decision-making. That was evident during parts of that Raven game. But what really emerged is this growing reputation as a clutch player. Pickett's simply a winner, if you will. It isn't pretty for long stretches. But when the chips are down, especially in the fourth quarter, Kenny can be counted upon. Or so the post-Ravens win narrative goes. Countering the chorus of criticism over the paucity of Pickett's stats, a growing collection of Steelers pundits are pointing out how the second-year QB is showing plenty of poise by making his big plays to pull out these huge wins. And they pose the question, what would Pittsburgh fans rather have? Pretty stats or win? Clearly, Steelers Nation will take the Ws. But the narrowness of the Steelers' margin of victory, that negative point differential through five games, begs the question, can this continue? Conventional wisdom says no. But with a relatively soft slate of post-buy opponents, led by mostly middling QBs, perhaps making a few splashes per game will be enough to keep the Steelers afloat. After all, that lineup of paltry passers, I'm looking at you, Mac Jones, Jordan Love, and Ryan Tannehill, to name a few, should be bait for the likes of Watt, Highsmith, and the defense. Meanwhile, Pickett could use the bye break to reset his thought process in the pocket, trust what he sees, and fire the football. Well, that's the hope, at least. As for a major offensive overhaul that all those Fire Canada chanters have been calling for, well, it's just not going to happen. If it was, it would have occurred during the bye, and there's no sign of that happening. It's business as usual under Mike Tomlin. Still, the time is going to come when Pickett, Canada, and company will need to deliver a complete game. You splishes and splashes won't be enough to compete with the likes of a rejuvenated Joe Burrow, who's slinging it again to Jamar Chase, generating plenty of splashes of their own. The Steelers faced the fearsome Bengals twice down the season's stretch. They can't hope to hang on to their tenuous hold on the division without going toe-to-toe and touchdown-to-touchdown with those Bengals. Last season, a later bye week resulted in a renewed Steelers team in the second half. The offensive line picked up their play, especially the run blocking. The D-line got a little stouter against the run, 
and Pickett began his run of comeback wins and fourth-quarter heroics. This version of the Steelers, though improved from last season, could sure do with a little bi-week magic in many of those same respects. Otherwise, the sleight of hand the Steelers have been using the steel wins is bound to end sooner or later. After all, magic can vanish as quickly as it appears. Now you see it, now you don't. We have much more on the two sides of Kenny Pickett, the pedestrian passer who starts the games, and the clutch kid who pulls out wins at the end. It's all in this bi-week edition of your Steelers Update Podcast. Hey, and be sure to check out my full print column first thing Thursday on Penn Live. As always, it will be packed with plenty of memes bringing the latest, greatest Steelers debates to life and to laughs. Right now, let's get right to it. So what about these two sides of Kenny Pickett, as we said? You know, the pedestrian passer for well, three quarters of the game, only to see him shift in high gear when the game is on the line and it matters most. Sure does seem to be a trend and perhaps a character trait. Or is Kenny just a clutch QB who can keep his cool even when his game is cold, only to heat up in that all-important fourth quarter? Jerry Dulac, the dean of Steelers reporters for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, attempts to get to the bottom of what is making Pickett Pick it up when the chips are down. Dulac writes this, quote, Kenny Pickett has an ability to seemingly flip a switch in the fourth quarter, no matter how sloppy or inconsistently he had played to that point. After a first half verse of the Ravens, in which he completed less than 50% of his attempts for only 60 yards, Pickett somehow transformed himself into a different quarterback when it mattered most. He completed six of ten passes for 104 yards in the fourth quarter when the Steelers overcame a 10-3 deficit. Bulk of that came on a game-winning drive when he went four of six passes for 78 yards, including the 41-yard touchdown strike to George Pickens with a pass as sweet as buttered corn. Prior to the fourth quarter, Pickett was just 12 of 22 for 120 yards. How does it happen? Receiver George Pickens put it this way. I probably say a lot more resiliency than anything. The resiliency of the team right there in that last hour was pretty incredible, unquote. Well, it's nothing new for Pickett. Steelers saw it happen in back-to-back weeks last season when Pickett led comeback victories in the final minutes against the Raiders and the Ravens. After throwing for just 122 yards in three quarters and trailing 10-3 against the Raiders, Pickett proceeded to complete 11 of 14 passes for 112 yards in the fourth quarter for a 13-10 victory on Christmas Eve. Most of it came on the winning drive when he completed 7-9 passes for 75 yards that included a 14-yard touchdown to Pickens with just 46 seconds remaining. Pickett pretty much did the same thing a week later against the Ravens. After another slow start, 
he turned a 13-3 deficit into a 16-13 victory by completing 6 of 10 passes for 104 yards in the fourth quarter, 78 coming on the winning drive when he threw a 10-yard touchdown to Najee Harris with 56 seconds remaining. Click goes the light switch. Well, here's what Pickett had to say about his propensity for these fourth quarter heroics. Quote, there are ups and downs in a season. There are ups and downs in a game. We found a way to win down the stretch. That's all that matters. It's nowhere as good as it needs to be. We do understand that. All the players, all the coaches do. At the end of the day, we went out there and won the game and got the W, unquote. Nonetheless, it was the fourth time in five games this season and eighth in Pickett's last 10 starts that the offense have, has managed just one touchdown. They are not always going to have games where the defense or the special teams bail them out as they did Sunday and as they did in the 26-22 victory against the Browns earlier this season on Monday night. The, the bottom line is the Steelers are tied for the fewest touchdowns in the league with six, and two of those came on defensive returns against those Browns. Wow, that is a lot that Jerry Dulac just laid out for us on Pickett, on his fourth quarter heroics, but also on this middling three quarters where, you know, in all these games where they're just putting up a score, one score. I mean, not really, it doesn't really sound sustainable. I mean, I love the fourth quarter switch and pull out the wins, but man, if you're down more than a touchdown or so, it's going to be pretty hard to pull out those wins. Uh, bottom line, Pickett's going to have to put it all together and start playing some complete games in order for these Steelers to keep that hold on the division lead. As for Dulac's counterpart at the Post-Gazette, as he tells us, the Steelers aren't going to be able to rely on lightning in a bottle to keep striking week after week. So for this perspective, we turn to Paul Zizi with the Post-Gazette, predicting that the Steelers' luck is going to run out sooner or later. He writes this, The Steelers have been far more resourceful and lucky than actually good. Sunday's win over the Ravens was ex an example of the latter. The Ravens hand-wrapped and handed the victory to the Steelers. Yes, the Steelers made the plays they needed to in the fourth quarter, but spare me the character and fighting to the end nonsense because the game should have been over at halftime. But I do give the Steelers credit for finding ways to win games they had no business winning. They probably should be one in four. But Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson and his receivers apparently were feeling charitable. But if there is anyone in that Steelers organization who really believes what they are doing is sustainable, they are smoking too much wacky tobacco. This is not a good offensive football team. This is not a good passing game. This is not a good running game. This is an offense that can come from behind only when the other team 
has just 10 points. The Ravens should have been up at the very least 17-3 at the half and then 24-3 midway through the third quarter. And if it were 24-3, the game would have looked a lot like the San Francisco and the Houston games, two teams whose offensive scored early and often and took the possibility of a magical big play in the fourth quarter, beating them off the table. I keep reading people celebrating that Pickett has fourth quarter comebacks and five game-winning drives in his short career, and they think that this is very telling. It does show Pickett is a winner and has that gritty competitor quotient, but it also shows the offense has stunk for three quarters far too often the past two seasons. It feels to me like the Steelers have been in this barely above mediocre mode for at least four or five seasons now. This used to be a franchise that measured itself in playoff wins and Super Bowl titles. Now it's become the little team that could. Kenny Pickett hasn't been good enough. Najee Harris hasn't been good enough. The offensive line hasn't been good enough. George Pickens had a great day Sunday, but needs to continue. The tight end group has to be better. Matt Canada needs to be much better in both his play calling and in the design and game planning of his offense. The Steelers are hard to watch when they are on offense because it feels almost painful that they have to work so doggone hard to get every single yard. If you want to celebrate that the Steelers are in first place, go ahead. But please, Spare me the idea that these wins showed character or anything like that because it's fiction. The Steelers need to take these two weeks over the bye to get better offensively. Much better. Unquote. Wow. That is Paul Zeiss with the Post-Gazette on a tear. He's dishing hard truths and dowsing all the clutch picket talk in Pittsburgh with a lot of cold water. This QB and this offense have a long way to go to really become winners, as in playoff winners, something the Steelers haven't done in six seasons and counting. Now, it, it, Now, let's... Go on the bright side here. I mean, we got to win. We got to win over the Ravens at the top of the division. There's got to be some good things going on in Steeler country, and there is. We go to a Steeler on the upswing. We get a progress report on one Joey Porter Jr. His playing time has been limited, yes, and he will continue to come into the games from the bench, not as a starter. Still, what we've seen of Joey, we like, and we like it a lot. Here now is Adam Bittner with the Post-Gazette breaking down Joey Porter's sky-high pro football focus grades coming out of the Raiders game, but taking it with a grain of salt due to the limited sample size of Porter's play thus far this season. Bittner writes this, quote, Joey Porter Jr. rates 
rates a whopping 91.4 coverage grade from PFF for his play last Sunday versus the Ravens. Yes, Porter's coverage grade against Baltimore was the the best of any NFL corner posted in Week 5, and his fourth-quarter interception was pivotal in staving off a promising late drive by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. These are all very good signs for his future as a possible cornerstone of this defense. It's also true that starters Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson continue to put up more stinkers than standout effort. Porter also played just 21 coverage snaps, and the Steelers continue to pick and choose the sub-packages in which he appears and will have the best chances for success. Were he exposed like Wallace and Peterson over starters' reps against opponents' best receivers, it's unlikely his grade would hold up as well. That context should not be left out as often as it has been in all the online discussions praising Porter to the sky-high limits. Absolutely. Get a Get excited about Porter's potential. Absolutely call for him to play more if you wish. It probably is time to see what he's got in more extended duty, given his teammates' struggles especially. Just don't treat this grade like an apples-to-oranges comparison to Wallace and Peterson, because it is not. It's quite possible Porter could be better than those two, but if you're expecting savior numbers like this one on a week-in and week-out basis, you're probably going to be disappointed, unquote. So, you know, we love those PFF grades. You look at them in, in isolation and your eyes, you know, widen at, uh, you know, Porter getting the, the best cornerback rating of the entire week five. And then you break it down as Bittner does and you see, well, maybe it, it's not exactly apples to oranges when you're spared the, you know, the snap in and the snap out challenge of, of the starting receivers and you're only in in isolation under certain packages. But there's another Steelers rookie on the come, and it's first rounder Broderick Jones making his first Steelers start at left tackle. So how did PFF rate the big bad bulldog? And what is Bittner's take on the numbers? Good question, guys. Here's Bittner with the answers. He writes, quote, Now here's a sample size you can get excited about. The rookie tackle played 66 snaps in his first NFL start and posted the offense's third best grade of the day behind only George Pickens and Connor Hayward. His run-blocking score of 77.2 was the second best that any Steelers lineman has posted all season. Only James Daniels' 82.1 mark in the season opener versus San Fran was better. Pass-blocking score of 67 doesn't hold up quite as well, but the Steelers will take that every week if they can get it from a first-year player. Also noteworthy along the line on Sunday, Isaac Samalu has gotten in a groove as a pass blocker. His 84.7 pass blocking score was his third above the 80 mark in as many games. 
So be patient with this group. It's far from a finished product, but it's making some encouraging progress, unquote. In a great breakdown of what those PFF scores mean and what they're measuring with these Steelers and, you know, as related to the offensive line. And progress is what we saw last year with the offensive line, especially in the second half of the season after the bye. And it just so happens we're in another bye week where we're hoping signs of progress will continue in Pittsburgh, and it must continue, and it must accelerate during this bye week as it did last year because they have to get better, and this offense has to get better if it is going to be a division-contending version of the Steelers that we are seeing. Unfortunately, during the bye, there's no Steelers football by definition. Uh, But make no mistake, what happens in this off week will be all important once the games do resume on October 22nd out there in La La Land where your Steelers will take on the Rams. But while there's no Steelers this Sunday, there will be a Steelers update podcast next Wednesday and every Wednesday as we chronicle the bi-week work of your favorite football team and set the table for the West Coast trip that could set the tone for the kind of Steelers team we'll be seeing down the stretch of this season. Stay tuned. Stay right here. Sign up for the podcast wherever you get your favorite audio and get the takes fresh and steaming every Wednesday afternoon. And of course, log on to penlive.com anytime for your real-time Steelers news.